0: This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome everybody to Self-Storage Income. Today, we have a pretty
1: awesome podcast that is uh, very unique. Let me think, have we ever done a podcast like this one? Uh, no, no. This is going to be the first one that we dive into on the operational side like this with uh, such a pivotal individual to, to come in and, and speak on these things for us. So, um, yeah, that was going to be fantastic. Yeah,
0: this is going to be a good one. So we, we're not even going to waste any time. Let's just jump straight into it. Um, how's it going welcome so much uh i'm really excited that you agreed to come on uh why don't you kind of introduce yourself uh and tell people a lot of people in the storage world already know you um but for those that are just getting in why don't you give them a little bit about your background here and uh introduce yourself
2: sure so good to be with you guys this is joe Doherty. i'm from the self-storage association i'm the senior vice president chief legal and legislative officer it's just kind of a fancy way of saying that I'm the lawyer and lobbyist for the, okay. really for the industry. Uh, and you helped for the, us. Uh, for the as well. How
0: long ago was it that you were helping us with the Idaho stuff?
2: what, what was that? <laughs> yeah, two, uh, th- two that, years? that really sticks in my memory, AJ. <laughs> so would, uh, <laughs> Me too, man.
0: That's why I'm excited about this podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that started in 2018, and then that's right. You, Believe it or not, uh, it was one of the two bills, uh, three bills that was passed in 2020 with everything getting shut down because of the pandemic. The the Idaho we literally got over the line, yeah, you know, right as things were shutting down, and and that was a battle we did. Oh, that was a battle. But uh, sorry, I digress.
0: Keep going. We'll 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 go more more into that, but. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so it's really my pleasure to to be here and, and kind of more generally to represent the industry on really a variety of issues. A, a lot of what we do is the uh, updating the lien laws in, in the states, and that's what AJ and you know, a bunch of folks in Idaho worked on. Uh, we also work on insurance, which is something we're going to probably work on in Idaho next year. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's sort of a, a grab bag from there. It's, it's things as simple as a sales tax effort on self-storage to something we're dealing with in the city of Miami right now with the size of waste containers that need to be at self-storage facilities. It, it's interesting. It, it's a lot of fun because of the variety and, and the really good operators and owners we get to interact with across the country. Well, and too, you know, it's so interesting because I'm
0: trying to even remember the first time I heard you speak. It was a, it was a long time ago at one of the events I and mean, everything. And it seems like self-storage, you know, since we've been in it over here the last 15 plus years has come out of this obscurity. And it seems like a lot of municipalities didn't even know what to do with it. Um, we had some municipalities in Idaho that were just like, at at one point, they just go, listen, nobody can build any more storage anymore because we literally don't know what to do here. Like they were just like, they're like, we don't understand this asset. We don't understand where it should go. We don't understand what's going on. They literally didn't know. So they're just like, nobody can build until we get this thing figured out. And that has been very interesting over the last 15 years as self-storage has really come up to see the lawsuits associated with it, um, all of the you know class action versus individual, all of the rules and regulations the municipalities are trying to adopt and put in. And it's been one of the scary parts for us as in how are they going to handle things like auctions? How mm-hmm. much rights are we going to have to operate our properties in the way that we want to? Because some of the laws that have come up have been like scary. Like holy cow, how do we how do we do this? Um and you've been at the forefront of this and of this change.
2: Yeah, it really it really has been scary especially because of the pandemic. Yeah, I think it it gave frankly just excuses to a lot of folks who were kind of skeptical of business to start with to want to regulate it even more and mm-hmm. yes yeah, it started with the residential eviction moratoriums yeah, that we saw imposed on on residential landlords and that migrated to commercial landlords and and then in a few cases it also migrated over to self storage we were we were much much more fortunate than Uh, Those other industries were, uh, I think, for a variety of reasons that we can uh, get into here. But um, we have at this point, I think, made it past that in in large part, uh, with the exception of a couple of smaller jurisdictions in California and then the city of Los Angeles continues to have a moratorium on self-storage lien sales. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that they were hmm. still, I
0: mean, it makes sense in Los Angeles. It sounds like they do. Um, but <laughs> now kind of go back to your background here. When, when did you actually start to get involved in self-storage? It's such an interesting industry for anybody. And I'm always curious how they got into it. Uh, how long ago was this?
2: So I started with the association at the beginning of 2018. I, mm-hmm. I really had no involvement with self-storage before that. I what did you do was before? a customer once. That was about it.
0: Yeah. what did you do before?
2: I had I had worked at another trade association for independent insurance agents, but I was really almost exclusively on the legal side.
1: Wait, which one there. was that?
2: Which association? The, the big eyes, so the independent insurance agents and brokers. Okay. Okay. I'm yeah. sure your your dad, Ron, was uh-huh. yep. was a active member of yep. the association. Yep. Uh, he multiple. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was there for about four years and then had worked at law firms before that and Came out of law school, and that's about sixteen years ago now. Well,
0: and self storage is a little simpler than those things, uh, but it's that you know it's interesting because my background's in insurance, right? So me and my father—that's what he did his whole life. I followed in his footsteps, Um, and then we got into self storage, and it's uh, was it was different to understand. Uh, you know, in insurance we deal with like HIPAA things like that. Um, self-storage though was is this hybrid where you have tenants, but the tenants don't live there. They're not contractually obligated. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be living there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) They shouldn't be. But uh, and the contracts are very different than other commercial real estate. Right. we don't have things like triple net leases. We don't have multi-year um contracts and uh. It, it's an interesting landscape to work uh, because there's not a lot of precedent set, especially like you mentioned in times of COVID. It was they tried to move over these restrictions from other industries and other asset classes into self storage, and it just doesn't work like that.
2: Yeah, that's that's a fantastic point. That it, almost exclusively the self storage industry's month to month leases if you don't if you don't want the unit you can't pay for it you can't afford it whatever your case may be you can leave and yeah you can do that on whatever amount of notice is allowed in the rental agreement so the comparison with the place where somebody lives which is obviously uh, you're talking at least typically a year long commitment sometimes longer and of course it's where you live, Uh, even with a business. There's usually a commitment with the possibility of personal guarantees and all these other things that might be attached to uh, the the negative effects of being evicted. That just doesn't really exist with self-storage. So it really is sort of the proverbial square peg into a round hole type of scenario. Uh, But what what I'll also say about that is, Even though there are those differences, I don't think people should short sell the importance of what you have in that rental agreement and and the importance of having the types of provisions that are really quirky to self-storage. It's not something you're not going to go even to the guy who drafts a rental agreement for a apartment or or a commercial building and ask him to do self-storage because it's just it's a completely different industry, completely completely different areas of concern that you need to uh, take into account.
0: Well, and we got in weird cases with, uh, it was Washington and Nevada during the pandemic. And we had things that are like, we don't want your customers coming in and out. We're like, what? Like, we don't want you to be operating your business. And I'm like, this is their stuff, right? And lots of people use these things day to day. Businesses use them day to day. Like it's how they operate. We we hold... um, Uh, medical, pharmaceutical equipment in our facilities. And we're like, you want us to not allow a hospital to come in and get its equipment? And there was just this, when you talk to them, you could tell there was no connection to reality of what we did. It was like, they just had no concept or understanding. And we're like, we can't do some of the things that you're asking us. So, you know, in Washington, I think they just shut us down. So they just wouldn't allow us to take new ones, but then we ended up getting, so we could take uh, the customers could have access, but we couldn't let anybody into the office and we couldn't mm-hmm. operate. Yeah. Um, we had to shut down that. And then Nevada, they ended up getting rid of uh for quite a while, we we couldn't
1: do any lean cells. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the lean situation and, yep. and similar office situation down there as well, where we did yes. have people coming in and all that That's stuff. right. Yeah. And it was so strange because,
0: once again, it was just this lack of understanding where it's like we can have one person at a time, right? There's social distancing. Great. We're a storage facility. You have like two people in this entire 15 <laughs> acres at any, point at, at any point in time, yeah. right? But they didn't. They looked at it and they're like, okay, you have 900 units. Well, do you have 900 people in there? No, it was just that COVID really brought to the forefront the lack of understanding and how to apply certain laws
1: in our industry. And that was that was very interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah, no, it is super interesting. Do you see any changes now that you didn't see before? Like, again, on the legislative side, are you guys wanting to introduce bills to further protect – Self-storage businesses. Or, I mean, do you have any of that on your radar at all?
2: Not really, because uh, we still like to stay under the radar. I think mm. we we do education as, as it's needed as these things come up, but we don't want to be the seed for a bad idea. Uh, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. So it, you know, the as as these things come up, we have we have a stable of lobbyists across the country that we can deploy to interact with whether it's the police department trying to shut you down as they did in the state of New Mexico or the health department we dealt with in the city of Newark, New Jersey. We have lobbyists who can who could have those relationships, can engage with, with the local or state officials. And there really was a misunderstanding about the industry. I think people, the overall perception from the conversations I've had, you know, there are surprisingly a lot of legislators who are, in or involved with the self-storage industry so they they understand the industry well but the the average person thinks well this is just a bunch of stuff that you don't need it and you're just you're storing it because you're a hoarder or whatever yeah they don't understand the businesses that store they don't understand the people who use it as an extension of their home that's not big enough it's not that they yeah, it's not that they just have too much stuff but maybe they have a child who's away at college and they're you know they're cleared out of room that they now need to bring that that back when everything was shut down or maybe they're a pharmaceutical sales rep or a hospital or a landscaping company and and there is that education process uh, that we go through fortunately i'd say overall the industry was classified as essential in almost all of the orders that came out which was really Really um, very fortunate for us from the get go. And, and so it was just kind of rather than having a kind of reverse engineer a lot of that education process, it was really much more targeted to the areas where there were problems.
0: Well, why don't you give them and talk, talk a little bit about what you did here in Idaho and the, the things that we were tr- dealing with here. This is a great example of what you guys do and the fight that we had to go through here and how that looked why don't you talk about
1: that well, to how technology so how much time do i
2: have <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly i know uh, yeah, two this years. Is <laughs> uh,
1: yeah but it, it's another perfect example again how how so much of of uh legislation laws rules regulations all that stuff haven't caught up with technology yeah and how to implement it and utilize it and all of these things so uh, yeah let's dive into that for sure
2: yeah so idaho you know I love the state. It it was one of the goofiest fights we've been in. It was, it was actually one of the first issues I I dealt with back in 2018. We were preparing for a hearing, had one of our colleagues getting ready to go out there. And then we got a call from our lobbyists in Idaho saying, don't bother coming. The hearing's off. There is an influential legislator who I won't name here. Who has said under no circumstances will he agree to a bill that mentions email? So that was that was that for 2018. We we tried to kind of unscramble the egg, and it was it was done for 2018 at that point. Well, Mm. well, you got to point out too.
0: Also, he that shall not be named um, had some interesting relationships because he was an owner of storage
1: yeah going back to your point about how many yeah. legislators and representatives are in storage yeah he's one of them <laughs> yep. yeah yeah one of those so but continue sorry
2: yeah so fr- from there we we determined pretty quickly that we were want- wanted to revisit this in in 2019 and got the process going again and uh, Tudo, something- it was
0: basically it was unanimously before he ended it it was Pretty much unanimously accepted, isn't that correct?
2: Well, in in twenty so in in twenty eighteen, it didn't even get off the ground. We didn't That's even right. get that initial hearing yes. because, because they killed it. It was killed. Mm. It was killed even before we could sit down and explain to anybody mm. in a public forum. Yes, here's what we're yes. doing. We're not this big scary monster that we're made out to be. And, and, and tell and them the, too here, quick, Before you go further, what were we trying to do? Oh, so yeah. Good point. So we we were trying to modernize the self storage lien law in Idaho. It was it had been, you know, I wish I could remember how many years it had been, but it had been more than twenty years, uh, I believe, getting close to thirty years since yeah. the law yeah. had initially been passed had not been touched since then. And at that point, I would say between thirty five and forty states had done some level of modernization of their lien law, uh, and it was really. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the states that hadn't done it were states that you know, were either um, you know more hostile to the to business in general, or were just states that we had considered lower priority. Idaho seemed like a really good target. It's a very business-friendly state, growing state, growing number of storage facilities in the state. It seemed like it was the right time for this, uh, but it felt like. In some ways, we were stuck back 20 or 25 years earlier. We're still riding on horse and buggies. I mean, really, I think it was prior
0: prior to email. And the goal we were trying to achieve was the communication between um, our tenants and us and what is considered a verified source of communication. And um, I think it was Pony Express is what we were using as a verified source of communication at the time. So we wanted to update it to just simple things like, and we need to be able to communicate through email, things like that. And that's essentially the only thing we were even trying to do. It was a really a communication thing um, uh, to announce um, lien laws and leases. There, There was also, it was where it had to be published. Wasn't that part of it?
2: right so yeah, th- there were probably there are about seven items that we pursue in the lean law updates um yeah, how you communicate whether that's mm-hmm. through the traditional method of uh, certified mail which is just now antiquated yes. and then email and some other options that are offered through the postal service what we typically call verified mail uh yeah there was late you know allowing for late fees expressly there were some protections for rental agreement provisions and and yes a few other items towing of, of vehicles which is yes um yeah you know, a big big, one, big for one for operators and then yeah how you actually uh or whether you have to publish the sale notice in a newspaper yes and that that, that yeah that's just been a, a bear you know i won't you know, break up this Idaho story with too much about that right <laughs> yes. now. But the the newspaper lobby that they, they control the pen, and when you when you control the pen, you can wield a lot of power over legislators by you know, simply just saying, "Hey, look, you you support this bill, and you know maybe we don't support your reelection, or maybe we start writing bad things about you." in uh, the bills you're sponsoring or what have you. And it's just, it's you know, re- really one of the most frustrating aspects of, of what we try to modernize. But but uh, maybe we can get this in a little bit. We I think we are finally over the hump on that newspaper advertising issue as well.
0: Yeah, nice.
2: There, we have another name for it. I think it's called Mafia, but we're not going to get into that.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, uh, so continue. So, okay, that's what we we're trying to do. That was the whole purpose of it. Um, we we're trying to just simply update things that's it like it wasn't we weren't taking away rights there was there's nothing in this that's like we're just like hey we need to update communication and how we how we do this to a modern standard not pony express and that was killed immediately because they didn't like email
1: yeah i was gonna say like what was the the opposition to that i mean what was what was the argument there
2: it was that email can't be trusted and the yeah, the the best that this legislator who opposed us could come up with was, well, I've got a thousand e- unopened emails in my inbox. How can you ever expect someone to 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 check their email for this type of information? And it's like, well, you, you're you're not representative of everybody. I don't and open look, mail. You, I I haven't opened a piece of mail that came to my house, and I don't <laughs> yeah. even know how long. I don't even know what's in it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's. Um, that was the argument and what we what we said is look no nobody's going to have a gun put to their head where hey you know, provide us with an email address or you're you're done for if somebody wants to communicate by email that should be allowed this is about consumer choice it's about ease of of communication and it's it's a two-way thing If you, if you want to rent a storage unit and not give an email address you can find no. an operator who's going to do that maybe not everyone but A lot of operators are going to be willing to rent to you.
0: And and this individual who shall not be named um, is a big owner with a big old time operator in the state. Like we told him, you don't have to do it. This is not forcing anyone. This is allowing an option of communication to operators to use email. Saying it out loud, it's kind of ridiculous that we're even having this conversation here. But that's what we were facing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he killed it because of that.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. No, the we uh, you know, we said this, I don't know how many times if I had a nickel for every time I said it would probably be all rich by now. But it was <laughs> nobody in the state of Idaho needs to do anything different. Nothing. If you want to continue to operate in the way you operated in 1988 or if you were open in 1978, the, the way good you point. operated then. Great. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Do it. But if you want to take advantage of these modern uh, aspects of the glean laws that have been adopted in other states, you have that option as well. Mm -hmm. And it was just, no, 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 you you shouldn't. You shouldn't have that option because I've dictated that I I don't want it. So you can't have it. Exactly. So nobody else can have it.
0: So that's why it was killed. All right. Now, now everybody's kind of up to speed. Everything. Now move forward to what
2: happened and what you had to do.
1: Yeah. How do we make it happen? Yeah.
2: Right. So in 2019, we, we came back and we're ready to go. We ended up, got through the the hearing, yeah, made, it, made it to the first hearing, I should say. The, the hearing had a lot of theatrics in it where this legislator was clearly communicating with members of the committee while they were debating the bill and feeding them questions that – yeah, you know, just honestly, they never could have come up with on their own. It was just, you know, the questions are really nuanced. We probably ended up in a two hour hearing and, and, you know, it was just a lot of back and forth with me, with other operators, with our lobbyists and came out of that initial hearing, not knowing what was going to happen. You know, was this bill going to move forward? Was it going to get killed again? And it was kind of minute by minute for a while. The the bill ultimately didn't get killed, but got put on what I'll call its deathbed, which I believe in Idaho is called amending orders. Yeah, that that's a it's a technical term where it needs to go to the full house to get amended rather than getting just amended in committee, which most states allow. So it, it opened up this opportunity for this one legislator to influence the process even more. Yeah. Our, our government. So went work, to, and, and just kind of a side note, our bill sponsor was uh, you know, not exactly friendly with this legislator who was who was in the industry. They, they had had some fights over over leadership status and, and whatnot and just didn't get along. Uh, so the uh, and I, I think some of that's been smoothed over then, but it was really fresh in 2018, yes. 2019. Yeah, uh, and so the the bill went to amending orders, and it it came down to yeah you know, these two are arguing back and forth, our sponsor and the bill yeah you know, the, the other legislator. It goes to a voice vote on whether the bill is going to get amended to continue allow for email or email is going to get pulled out. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny. It's just
0: it was. This it is was this so- is our government. This is our government. This is yeah. their spending all the time because of email. They didn't want one person. Didn't want people to communicate through email because he didn't want to. Like it's baffling to me that our it entire is government is doing this. This is what they're doing. This is how they're spending their time.
2: And I, anyways, not gonna keep going. <laughs> so the the bill it comes up for a voice vote, meaning it's literally what it sounds like. You say yay or you say nay. And man, was it close. They, they weren't going to count. Okay. AJ voted this way and Joe voted that way and et cetera. They weren't going to count it that way. They were just going to go off the voices. And we won by like, I don't know, a couple of decibels. (laughs) It was really tight. And you could tell that the losing legislator was not happy. He was mad. And so he went, long story short, that year, he went over to the Senate and said, hey, if you want some of your bills to keep moving in in my chamber, you better find a way to stop this yeah. this bill. And, and there he was- literally
0: threatened him, said, I'm going to kill yeah. your stuff if you let this- Let If you let them communicate by email, I'm going to kill the bills in the House that they needed to do to get the state running and operating. That is freaking insane. Yep. Keep going.
2: Yeah. So that was how 2019 ended. We, We thought after we were all celebrating after the amending orders victory, the bill ended up passing the full House. We were so excited. And and then it was just the carpet getting pulled out of out from under us a couple days later. And and tell them how we stopped it. Man, we we were just uh, thinking at that point, Okay, look, yeah, yeah, that they've got the better of us. Maybe it's time we just pack up up and wait for this guy to retire whenever that might be.
0: And how we did it, they they were pretty sure it was going to pass the Senate. They're like, yeah, this is going to pass the Senate. So they never allowed it to go to the floor. That's how they killed
2: it. They never even allowed it. They never it allowed was, it. It was basically 2018 repeated again. Yep. Where It made it through the, but it made it through the House this time, but was stopped in the Senate. They wouldn't even allow a hearing in the Senate. Because he just threatened like them.
1: And the so they're before, like, we're not even going to allow it because if it
0: passes, now. we're in trouble. That's right. How,
1: how do you, so uh, I was going to ask you that question on the House side. How did you, that second time around, how did you actually get it heard to make sure it was actually going to get in?
2: So we we had a, a, a committee chairman who was willing to take the risk he was willing to go against the wishes yeah. of this powerful legislator and and hold the hearing just give us give Gosh. us our day in court so to speak mm-hmm. he he was willing to do that and the the legislator yeah the powerful legislator thought he was going to thought he had this end run on of the amending orders and we beat him on that it was it just really was it was his power play yeah. versus our substance Mm-hmm. we weren't strong arming anyone. Nope, we was, weren't are you know, we're, we're using anything. logic. He was being a bully. That's exactly right. Gotcha. And, then- and, and you know, the, the the facts and the, uh, the logic are all on our side there. And it was oh, just, sure. yeah. it, it was this whole power play scenario between our sponsor and our industry on the one side and this other legislator on the other side. So Which brings in, us to
0: 2020.
2: On yeah, the Senate. so <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel or the, you know, the, the, so in, in 2020, we we kept having some discussions in 2019 kind of quietly with this powerful legislator saying, hey, look, what, what can we do to satisfy you on this email provision? Eventually, uh, The legislator went to the, and yeah, I got to give him some credit for this. Uh, He did go to the attorney general's office and said, hey, look, I don't like what they're trying to do on email. Can you suggest something else? And the attorney general's office came back and said, okay instead of saying email or specifying the method of delivery, say whatever's agreed to in the rental agreement is how it's going to be sent. And that was a real breakthrough for us because it, it came down to, it's no longer our language. It's no longer us suggesting yes. this. It's the attorney general's office yeah. that has given the stamp of approval that this is something that is beneficial for Idaho consumers. That 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 is who the attorney general's office protects. They're a consumer protection agency. And if they say this way is protecting consumers, who are we to say that it's not yeah and and who is this one single legislator to say it's not and yeah i w- i won't necessarily say he he was trapped at that point but in a way he was yeah. i mean he couldn't negotiate against the attorney general's office yeah. his argument that for some reason that was a bad thing for customers is gone it's- exactly so 2020 you know it it had some twists and turns here and there but it was, it was pretty smooth from that point. Once we got the buy-in on that language for how it was going to be communicated, yeah, there there were still some points where we thought, you know, is he going to stand up and say something crazy? Is he going to tell some committee member to, to kill this? And yeah, there were a couple of times where we thought, you know, is this kind of going off the rails, but it, it, it stayed on track and then COVID hit and Thank goodness the, the Idaho legislature kind of hung in there a little bit longer than yeah. some of the other legislatures did. They wanted to get their business done before all hell broke loose. And we were pretty fortunate to have to kind of been on a fast track that year because of the two previous situations where uh, we had been shot down. I think they kind of wanted to say, OK, look, if this thing's going to move, let's just move it. Let's clear it. Let's clear the decks on the easy stuff. And so we made it through the house. We made it through the Senate, and then uh, ultimately had it signed by the governor uh, just before things when, really you know, hit the fan and, and started shutting down. And it was it was pretty wild with, was. with everything that, that went off the tracks last year. To say that I got it done after the two years that you know, that that we just really struggled to, to get our footing under us. That of all the states that are going to pass. Yeah. a bill in, in the pandemic shortened year. of oh, yep. Idaho. Okay. Got it done. I guess it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah now It, 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 the it, reason it was it. illogical. Like it the whole was. process had been illogical. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, this is the perfect time for them to use the excuse not to do it. Um, exactly. Now the reason why I love this story and I think it's so important for everybody to hear is I got three things I want to mention. First of all, all the work that you guys did to get this done three years over something that's Let's just be honest. It's it, it it's irrelevant. It's stupid. It's a no brainer. Um, it doesn't take away anyone's rights. It doesn't give power over businesses. It doesn't nothing, nothing at all. And this is in a state that is probably one of the most friendly business states in the United States. I think maybe Texas, maybe you know, right up there with like Texas, Utah, and you know, a couple others, and. It, This was the fight that happened. So now extrapolate that over places like California, New York, um, and look at what has to go into this stuff to help our businesses be able to operate. And we're talking about operating just in a modern day. Now, this stupid thing that they're dealing with, you're tackling way more things in our industry like the lean laws and things like that, that are much more complicated. And for everybody listening to this, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here, here, but you guys need to recognize this is so important and we need to support what he's doing. And we need to support these actions within our industries. You need to work with state local legislatures. You need to let your voices be heard and be known. And when you find something in the state that needs to be done, right? You need to reach out, you need to start working because they can't do it without the help of the operators in the state. Now, with that said, my next question that I want to talk about, now that everyone's seen a process that, you know, some of the things that you have to go through in a business-friendly state. Um, what are your out when you're looking out here in the next five years, what are the what are the things that you worry about, right? And what are the things that you're fighting in other states? that you're trying to help our, our industry out on.
2: Yes. I, I continue to worry about the the possibility that some of these pandemic related issues are, are not just pandemic related. There's been a real attack on property owners, landlords and the rights that they typically have in a normal functioning democratic society. And we've seen a lot over the last year with, uh, governing through executive orders whether that's on the issue of Which the is pricing of, of your units or that's on the enforcement of your contractual rights under under the lean you know, the lien remedies we see that we see you know, the issues with sales taxes you know, governments are always hungry for money you know, and you know, fortunately, at least from a government fiscal standpoint things are humming along pretty well right now but yeah the the music's going to stop at some point and and there's going to be a need or desire for more income so we're going to continue to face those types of battles and probably the area that that concerns me most and it's again something that we've seen specifically in Idaho is with property taxes yes these local governments, in particular, the way yes, uh, the the way taxation works, at least in a lot of states, a lot of property tax dollars kind of get funneled up to the state to help with education and other state-based priorities. When you have that, uh, when a lot of the pie is kind of getting sucked upward, you got to grow the pie to. To keep your money at the local level. Let me use an and example. There been, there's so, been a lot in Idaho. There's been a well, lot in Illinois, Minnesota, there's just a Have you ever lot done anything in
0: Kansas? On. We went to we went yeah. to, we went to buy a property in Kansas with the new price on the property after acquisition, which is a disclosure state. The expense ratio to income to gross income on that property went to seventy percent. 70 oh percent of the gross income was to expenses why because almost 50 percent went to taxes the deal was killed nobody can do it it's wild
2: yep yeah and that, that's something we've heard across it not I, across the country but really in a few select states it's it's New York. It's a problem. Texas, particularly around Austin, Travis County area, mm-hmm. big problem there. Where you, where you guys are in yep. in Boise and the suburbs, County. big yep. big problem. Huge. They're lawsuits County. right
0: now. It's their um and how they're doing it is uh why this should worry all of you. Why you need to. Worry about it, we have counties where they literally make it up. Yes. They're making up values. They don't have access to revenues. They don't have access to cap rates, anything else like that. So, what they're doing is they're applying a comparable and they're just moving it over to your property, which makes no sense because it's revenue based. So, we have the argument wait, are you taxing the business or are you taxing the property? Because what you said is that extra space is the equivalent of Bob's right down the street, even though that extra space made five times the revenue. That doesn't make sense. And you don't have access to revenue. So what are you doing? And we are I'm literally in a lawsuit. I'm being asked about this. And I'm like, how do you know? And they're like, well, give us your revenue. And we'll tell you. I'm like, we're not giving you revenue. You're making it up. They're literally making up values because they don't even know the information. And that's how it's being handled.
2: Yep. Yeah, same exact problem. You know, it kind of goes back to Idaho being a really business-friendly state. So you kind of wonder. Yeah, what? And And how does that happen? The, the best comparison we have to the same Texas. Uh, type of thing happening is in Cook County, Illinois, where Chicago oh, yeah. is. Yes. How different could those two states be? Completely. And we're seeing the same exact thing. And, and the, the way the state has dealt with that is to have some influential legislators mm-hmm. uh, propose bills to require income-producing properties, including self-storage facilities, to turn over their income statements. So it's, well, it's okay, if you, don't, if you don't want us to do comparables, then then you know, show us your books. And no, no, we're not going to show you our books. No.
0: Well, like we asked, do you make McDonald's? So when you get do property tax on McDonald's, are they showing you your income? And then you're basing their property values on the income. And they're like, well, no, that's because of there's this business aspect to it. And we're like, you don't think we have a business aspect? Because we all do different revenue. And so it, it, all of a sudden – Like, why don't other businesses have to
2: do the same thing? Why don't
0: they have to disclose their income? Mm -hmm. You
2: know, it's it's scary. Yeah, it it really is, and and there's um, yeah, it's it's a growing problem. I I wonder whether some other states are going to pursue something like California has, where they have what's called Proposition 13, Mm -hmm. passed back in 1978. Almost
0: almost lost that a year ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll touch on that in just a second, but the. The way that works for folks who don't know, it, it basically you know, locks you in at a property assessment or property tax amount when you buy the property, and that can't be reassessed to market until you sell the property. It can only go up two percent annually. So, you know, it it would prevent this exact type of scenarios where you're seeing fifty or hundred percent increases in some jurisdictions, and that that's something. Uh, especially in California, the, the teachers unions and the public sector unions—they hate Proposition 13 because it, in their view, keeps money out of schools and you know, all of these other what they consider worthy—they uh, want the expenditures. And and there was a concerted effort last year, uh, I believe, for the first time ever, to get onto the ballot a measure that would overturn Proposition 13 for commercial property zones. Which, they, they which would have out bankrupted
0: them. everybody.
2: Yeah, they, they said residential, no, you'll still be protected. Wink, up, wink, up, up to a million dollars. Uh, small businesses would have been protected up to, I believe, two or five two? million dollars. Yeah. I think it was Something two. Like but that. um And multifamily would have also been protected. So they were taking out all of these groups that had maybe some sympathy and then, Oh, the big, bad, big businesses. We're going to get them. And and the, the estimates were that it was going to generate 10 to 12 billion with a B annually of additional income. So that's just, that's a lot of money. And we as an industry raised about $4 million toward Toward defeating that effort and won by about six hundred thousand votes, but what I tell people, which is in look, California, that is close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. I mean, and look, there there were some you know, counties where uh, you know, President Trump lost by yeah on an eighty to twenty, but it was much closer on on this Prop thirteen question. Uh, so it, it did pull in a lot of independent voters to. To side with the no side it pulled in a lot of republicans some democrats as well it, it was a broad base of folks and to win you know, to win statewide in california you've got to have that broad base and what but what i tell folks is look there is just too much money at stake when you're talking 10 to 12 billion dollars These unions are going to be back, and whether that's next year or the year after that, I don't know. I don't exactly have that crystal ball, but there's just too much money at stake. Well, and for a lot of businesses, well, we lost. I guess we'll just go home and 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 cry. No, Mm -hmm. they they saw that as whoa, we got close. Yes, exactly.
0: And you know, for uh, in California, property values are astronomical, and a lot of these properties are being held by people that they can make it work because they bought it 10, 15 years ago. Their properties are three, four times what they're worth worth uh, today. If you have a three, four times increase in your tax, they're done. They don't, they can't work anymore. They can't function. Um, and then you try to pass it off to, the pass off the cost. And then you're saying all goods and services are going to go up three, four times. Like, how does that even function? How does that work? And, but- you're right. There's just so much money. And you know, you look at California, you can't support these astronomical prices and properties with the tax. Like, so what has to happen? Does real estate prices have to crash? Or does all cost of services and good have to skyrocket to supplement this ginormous tax? It's not like we're sitting here in Alabama, Idaho, or anywhere else in the United States, Texas, where real estate prices are a fraction of what they are in California. Um, and I, a lot of people don't understand that and the unions don't even care about it. They just, they don't care. they they're seeing the $12 billion. They want it 12 billion. Yeah. So it's, you know, these things are so incredibly important and anybody listening to this, like our industry depends on this fight that goes on every day. So I would please ask everyone to support and to really get behind this. And a lot of people think I'm too small. I don't mean anything. That is completely opposite. In fact, it's the big businesses that they can spend money, but their voice doesn't have a lot of say when it comes to government issues. It's the small businesses that are calling up their senators saying, you are going to kill me, Sally. And they know that's going to go on a newspaper. They know that everyone's going to have sympathy to Tom or bob who bought this with their life savings and this is their retirement this is what really matters those voices get in newspapers those go crazy on social media nobody cares about public storage or you know those nobody's going to listen to those so if you're a single operator looking to get into the business get involved in these things which brings me to my next point um cuz I could literally talk to you all day about this stuff we'll have you come on on again but where can people go to get a hold of you, find
2: out more about what you guys are doing and support. So we have uh, selfstorage.org is our main website for the Self Storage Association. You can find my contact information there. You can also find the latest on all of the legislative efforts that we're working on, both defensive and offensive. We haven't spent a lot of time today talking about kind of the offensive side of things, but we'll have you back uh, on here a...
0: soon and we'll we'll talk about it cuz that's an important important thing.
2: Great. So yeah, it's it's things like reforming the the newspaper advertising requirement. We're we're now at a majority of states that have eliminated that requirement or don't require it at all. And it whether it's you know, the, that offense or that defense, AJ is exactly right that we benefit by all being together, all rowing in the same direction. A lot of times uh yeah the the larger businesses they they rely on the association as their nice. voice on these advocacy issues and we're happy to do that yes the the biggest impact that we can have is we lo- we love to hear from those larger operators certainly yeah. um yeah the legislators yes. like to hear from them as well but yes. the the real impact is going to be on the local level being able to go into small towns and suburbs across the country and, and have kind of a, a broad base of communication. A lot of that's going to come from smaller, or mid-sized yes. operators who yeah, you may even know your legislator, but if you don't, that's okay. It, you don't need to be someone who's politically savvy. No, not at all. We can kind of, we can walk you through that that process. And sometimes it's just as simple as letting a legislator know there is somebody in my district Who cares about this? And it's really one or two calls or emails can be enough to move a vote. It's not like this isn't abortion or same sex marriage or any of these other real controversial issues where you've got to flood their phone lines. These are things that we just need to get a little bit of attention. And and that's why I love the example
0: of what we went through for three years. Think about what all went through, because just one person. And one person who happened to have a, a storage owner who was a partner, and they're like, that's that's it. That's all it was. That's it. Universally, everybody was opposed to it, but one little person swayed and went through this whole entire thing. So, like, the power you can have cannot be understated in situations like this. And I really mean that. And so I don't care if you have 80 units And you're out in some small town and you're like, nobody cares. That's not true. And you need to jump behind these guys and you need to get on board and help out with these things because two, one state falls and it creates a catalyst and then it comes after everybody. So um, I'm so sorry. We have to end this now because I have another meeting and I'm dying. I literally want to sit here and talk for hours. So we'll get you back on here probably next month. And I want to talk more engaged in the offense and everything, but everybody, we're going to have all the contact information in the show notes. Everybody go there now and we'll talk. And once again, I, I, I sincerely appreciate your time coming on here, spending it, talking with everybody. Um, thank you. And we'll have you back soon. My pleasure. Thanks guys. Thanks, Thanks Joe. You. Talk to you soon. Bye.